0: me that everyone was mentioning not feeling adequate, because I want to say that I feel inadequate, I just feel a sense of dread. <laughs> I like when you have to do like speech class or something. A lot in a camp setting, but like there's something about like doing it at your home church that's always intimidating, so I just was very thankful. But so today we're talking about Jesus. G- which is a very fun topic, so um, we're going to go with Judas Y. Uh, Stick with me, we're going to go on a journey, so um, this guy's crazy. I am, so, but it'll be a fun journey. So we're going to kind of dig into it. So the reason why I guess this sermon came to happen is I, I guess five-year journey of my life, had a moment where we were talking about our favorite disciples at camp, and I was like, it's going to sound really weird that my favorite disciple is Judas, because who has Judas be your favorite disciple? But I just very much relate to his story. But um, I'm going to try and dive into why that's the case. So the... so uh, if we can go ahead and go to the next slide, and my phone's going to keep turning off, so we'll see. But first thing I want to talk about with Judas um, is, two common, I think, narratives I think we get when we talk about Judas in the church to kind of make him make sense. So the first one is Judas as a villain. So this is, you know, obviously Judas is a traitor. He betrayed Jesus, kind of sold him out for money, uh, not the best thing to be known for. So we get the Judas as a villain narrative where it's like, okay, it's much easier to put Judas in this box of he's just a bad guy in the story. He's It's really simple, easy. Judas is bad. That's a good thing to get on board with. And then the second one we have is okay, if he's not a villain, he's not the bad guy, then we have Judas the victim. So, by Satan? He gives into sin, the Pharisees kind of use him, and he's just the person that's kind of the one who is an ends to a means of doing something bad, but didn't really have much ownership of what was happening. So I'm going to kind of dive into why I think these two narratives for Judas don't really tell the whole story slash aren't always the best way to think of him. So we can go ahead and go to the next slide. I also apologize. I might have added animations and stuff, so, but if not, oh, am I too quiet? I'm cutting out. Do I sound normal now? Oh, thank goodness. I love holding a mic. I was really nervous about not having a mic, but okay, anyways, so we're going go. to go uh, into John 12:4 through 6, which this is kind of where I get the, I think one of the good verses to get where Judas becomes... Uh, the villain of the story, but you get so. But one of his disciples, Judas, I'm not going to say his last name because I realize I've said it so many times it starts to not sound like a word, but who was later to betray him objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say uh, this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag... He help himself to what was put into it. So that's where you get the kind of narrative, even in the Bible, where it's like, okay, he's greedy, he's a bad guy, no one really likes him, he's horrible. So, But we're going to go to the next uh, slide. So, And then we also have the betrayal scene. Um, then one of the twelve, the one called Judas, went to the chief priest and asked, why are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So that's the two, I guess, very good declaring moments where it's like, okay, Judas is definitely not having good intentions, but also might be a bad guy in the story, because one, he just obviously sold him out for 30 pieces of silver, and is looking away to stab him in the back, but also we got the fact that, okay, he's a greedy person. Uh, You can go to the next slide. But then we have Judas the victim narrative that also goes in there, so we got it from Luke. Um, Then Satan entered Judas, called... I'm not saying his last name because I keep saying it wrong. One of the 12. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard, discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched an opportunity to hand him over to them with no crowd was present. So then we got the whole thing. It's like, okay, the chief priests, the officers, they're the ones that kind of want to get this thing going down. You can go to the next slide. Okay. So we got the villain narrative. We got the um, victim narrative. So I think those are very common if you've been in the church. We don't really like talking about Judas, so you've probably gotten to those two breakdowns of it. But I kind of want to go with two ones that I think get it a little bit better and get the story a little bit better. So first is um, Judas the guilty disciple. So I think when we go with the villain thing, we forget the fact that he was called, and he walked with Christ, and he saw all the things, and was a disciple. So we kind of like to go, okay, he's a bad guy villain, but we miss the point that he was part of the ministry too. So, yes, he did something wrong, he betrayed Jesus and his loved ones, and he chose self-interest over Jesus, but I think if you just go with this villain narrative, you miss out the fact that he was still a part of the ministry and was still a disciple. Then we got the second thing with the victim narrative of the shamed disciple. He was tricked by sin, Satan, whatever one you want to use, and used by others to accomplish needs, and then he felt shame about it. So this goes into why, Judas why, the whole sermon, why I want to talk about Judas, and This kind of goes into being, I guess, a personal thing for me, Um, and maybe most of you can relate to it. I feel like a problem with being a Christian, especially with my upbringing, is there's always, like, the sin, okay, that's a problem, but I struggle much more with the after effect of the sin. Um, It's like, okay, you do something wrong, but then you have this guilt and shame that just, like, lingers over you and slowly clouds out any good you can see in the world. I think that's where Judas was right after his betrayal, is because I think he saw guilt, shame, He was a guilty disciple, he had shame, and I think he kind of missed the rest of the whole story of his whole ministry. So if you can go to the next slide. This is going to be kind of the breakdown of why I think that plays out. Um, When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left, then away and hanged himself. Not a really positive outcome, but anyways, that's how Judas historians, at least one of them. I'm not going to get into the other whole weird thing. But anyways, so you can go to the next slide. Okay, so then this gets to, I think, the way I like to explain Judas, and I think makes a lot more sense. Because if you go with the villain-victim arc, then you don't really want to learn from that person (laughs) because you just now said they don't have any value of their story. But I think this one is the way I like to think. I think Judas is the disconnected disciple. So, yes, he made a mistake. He betrayed Jesus. That's really bad. But really, the sad part of his story isn't the betrayal, but what happens next. So, yes, he betrayed Jesus. And that's, to me, why I connected to a lot. Because if we're going to really break down Judas's main sin, it was he sold Jesus out for the world. And I think, as an American, this is why I relate to him the most, is I don't really have a struggle with, like, Peter's struggle where he's denying knowing him. I have a struggle where the world's way more appealing <laughs> a lot of times than what Jesus is offering. And that's where my brain gets tricked into going. So I tend to go down this route of, oh, it's small things, it's just 30 pieces of silver. What did I really do? But I really just sold out Jesus for what the world had to offer. So that's why I get into the, me relating with Judas the most. But anyways, so, but the reason why he's disconnected is because as soon as he betrayed him, he forgot everything he learned from Jesus up to that point. Cause like we have the whole, his whole journey, he was there, he witnessed everything. He was with Jesus, he was a disciple. But immediately as soon as he stabbed him in the back, and as soon as he knew Jesus was condemned, he just, all that didn't, he left his mind, and he was full of shame and guilt. So he no longer had the fact that, okay, well, he just spent the whole time with Jesus, who says to love everyone, and that there's a hope, and all that, but he immediately loses all of that. So he gets to the point where he believed he had no hope, and he couldn't reconcile with Jesus, and he couldn't be saved, So which is, I think, the real tragedy of Judas' story, isn't the fact that he betrayed Jesus, which is a tragedy and awful, But it's the fact that he got so convinced by Satan, sin, shame, guilt, that he really believed the fact that he couldn't be reconciled with Jesus. And that's the real tragedy of Judas' story. And I think the problem I have had a lot of my life whenever I've walked away from Christ, it's never the fact that, like, oh, the sin's the real problem. The problem is the fact that I don't want to deal with the sin. So, which then gets into Judas the Cautionary Tale. Um, He's a tale to learn from. You don't want to be like Judas, obviously. (laughs) But we don't, and I think if we just go, he's the villain, the victim in the story, then we don't actually take the fact of the, merit of the cautionary tale that is Judas. He's kind of a roadmap of when being a disciple goes wrong and kind of when we fail, which is, as a perfectionist myself, kind of the dread I have in life isn't the fact that I'm going to sin, because I already know that's probably inevitable because I'm not perfect, but it's the fact that I feel like I'm going to fail God. And then you have Judas right here who kind of, <laughs> failed God and the fact that he betrayed him, but the real failure is that he failed himself in not remembering what Jesus told him. So we can go to the next slide. Okay, so this is where I guess my conclusion to Judas Y. So, um, he teaches us an important truth, that devil and sin' active goal is to disconnect us from Jesus and God. So we kind of get this thing where sin is just like an act, but really it's the problem is that it's slowly a stage of getting us to the point where we're further and further away from Jesus, and our value and the thing that Jesus says we are and God says we are slowly becomes less and less. So we get to the point where it's like, okay, I've gone down this road, and eventually it's a point where I have no value. I'm the villain in the story. I hurt other people, or I'm the victim, and I'm always getting hurt, and we can't see Jesus anymore. We get to this point where we're just the villain, the victim, and that narrative, I think, that we assign to Judas, also we assign to ourselves. We get to this point where I'm so far away that obviously I'm not savable. <laughs> Which that's my big, I guess, important lessons, is to remember Jesus and that no one's irredeemable. So I think sometimes we like to have Jesus. As, Judas is this weird thing where he's like, Judas was irredeemable, but I really don't believe that's true. I think Judas had an opportunity, and I think the real tragedy is that he didn't wait. He didn't have hope to wait to get reconnected with Jesus. He kind of just gave up, gave in, he lost hope. So, but yeah, so that's the importance the of important remembering Jesus is when life is hard, when we fail— that doesn't disqualify us. So, like, even when if we do the worst possible thing ever, we still have a hope that we can get reconnected. So, but I think that's the last slide. Let's just go ahead and make sure the slides in. If you want to go ahead and, I think that's it. Okay, just making sure I don't miss anything of vital importance. But anyways, so thank you for sticking with me on my little journey. Um, might have been a little fast. Might have been very succinct. I talk fast and I'm an intense person sometimes. But so, but anyways. <laughs> But I just kind of wanted to share that, a short little thing of next time you talk about Judas, and I think there's this dread in the room when Judas comes up because it's like, oh, we have to talk about Judas, he's the worst. I kind of want you to just think about the cautionary tale of Judas and then kind of the fact that while Judas has a bad end, I think he kind of, if there's one redeemable thing about Judas is he kind of give us a roadmap of the fact of what not to make the mistake, what not to do. And that's not to lose hope or to think we're irredeemable or not savable because that's just a lie that Satan likes to put into our ears, so that we get further and further away. So, but thank you, and I will go ahead and hand it over to the band if they want to come up, and I'll pray. So, um, you can bow your heads with me. Uh, thank you, God, for this opportunity to uh, have all these people have to listen to my ramblings. Uh, it's both dreadful for me, but also sometimes fun. So, and also I just thank you for the fact that... Um, you don't ever place us in a place where we can mess up so bad that there's no salvation and that we can't be saved. And even when things get dark and when things are kind of feel like there's no end in sight, there's no hope, we have you to cling on to to make us through the things because luckily we don't have to redeem ourselves. You already did that for us. So thank you, God, for everything you do. Amen.